Hey everyone, and welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast. My name is Ann Campia. I will be your main host for today. And for those of you joining us for the first time, this podcast focuses on project management principles and how you can apply them to your everyday life. Joining me today is Christina. And Christina is uh, actually one of my favorite people because she graduated with me from USC's Master's of Science and Project Management program um, not too long ago, maybe a year ago. So Christina, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Feel free to introduce yourself. Let the audience know who you are. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I love podcasts. I listen to them quite often and I'm super passionate about project management. So you're really bringing the best of both the worlds I love together. Mm-hmm. My name is Christina Olivaria. I am a project manager for Yellow Brick Consulting. We are a healthcare transition and activation consulting firm that really focuses on all the project management pieces required to activate a brand new healthcare facility. Wow. Yeah. I, and I've always been fascinated by what you do because you, you kind of get the bust of everything. You, you get to do all the project man- management uh, side of it, but you know, you also get to be on site with uh, your clients. You get to see kind of a tangible outcome and, and what you do. Um, so always fascinated by Christina's work, uh, always a kind of a, um, a fan of hers and what she does uh, for a living. So I'm super excited to have you on here. And our topic for today that we're going to be talking about is actually change management. And I think this is a perfect topic for both of us because uh, knowing what you do, I imagine change management is kind of just a regular occurrence. It's a it's a standard process within um, all of the steps that you have to follow to see your projects through. Uh, but let's talk about you know what is change management. Do you have a change management um, group process or anything um, anything built into your current structure? So I think we should take a step back. I think PMI has a very know, hardcore definition of what change is. Yeah. Uh, They define it as a comprehensive, cyclical, and structured approach to transitioning individuals, groups, and organizations from current state to future state. Tough. To me, I think humans have been dealing with change since the dawn of time. So (laughs) a lot of time, I think there's a question in people's mind of why do we need a plan to change? I've changed normally, uh, whether it be, you know, kids, school, um, just life in general. Oh yeah. So why do I need a structured approach? Our company definitely is passionate about change because we deal with that operations and people side of change. And I think it's really important to have a proactive response ahead of time. Yeah, and I like that you bring up the fact that you know there is a define there is a definition of it within the the PMBOK, but change is inevitable. Change happens in our personal lives and our professional lives, and it's really how do you get ahead of it in terms of you bring up proactive uh, change management, and we'll talk a little bit about reactive as well. In that, uh, you know, as best as we can as professionals, one of our jobs as project managers is to be that proponent of proactive change management as best as possible. Um, I I know I've functioned in uh, PM roles where I constantly felt like I was reacting all the time. And so inherently to me, there was something that needed to 
changed within even just our structure, our project management structure, that would allow uh, us the opportunity to get ahead of the change and proactively mitigate anything, um, any risks or issues associated with the change, for example. Um, let's talk about a little bit about now that we kind of understand what change management is, what are some of those best practices that you've seen in terms of being able to manage it from a proactive standpoint? familiarizing yourself with the various approaches and methodologies that are out there is a first step for really developing a plan that works for your type of work. What works for my organization might not necessarily work for every organization because we are all managing different types of projects. There's a lot of different methodologies out there. I think most people are very familiar with Cotter's eight-step process. A lot of executives tend to really like it really overarching, top-down approach to change. Um, another popular model is Lewin's model. Um, it's three steps, super simple. I think the healthcare industry really likes it because it's really applicable to everyday life. You unfreeze a process, you change it, and right. then you refreeze it once you do it. We like ADCAR, and we learned about this at USC, um, yeah. and we really ran with it after I introduced the concept to our, our organization. And what I like about it is it really goes through the whole project continuum, addressing not only the operation side, but also that individual side of change that I think is so important, especially mm -hmm. for those really big, complex projects where people are really facing a lot of change and it's sometimes scary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought, brought that up. That was actually one of my favorite textbooks that we read through the course of the program. And and how did you, I'm so curious about this now. I didn't know that you had introduced it um, as a change now that has been adopted by your company. What, what were kind of the steps to get the stakeholders on board? This would be a great example of how you could proactively change something within uh, your business. When I first learned about Jeff Heights precise ad card model. So I think it's important to address what it is. Um, it's five steps. The first being awareness, you know, creating an awareness of why we need to change. So in this case, you know, we needed to change because we didn't have a structured model or change management that directly correlated with our work as transition and activation consultants. Second is desire. So to me, that's the hardest thing because I can provide you the awareness of why we need to change, but desire is so hard to do. So inspiring people to want to be a part of the process. The next is knowledge, providing those tools and trainings to ensure that people are aware of what they need and what's assumed of them. Ability, another hard one to do because although I can give you the knowledge, I can't make you able to do mm -hmm. something. Um, and lastly is my favorite is the reinforcement phase. Right. Um, so when we first reintroduced ADCAR, we developed a structured approach to how we do it. We assembled a team, we did some trainings, um, and we've developed a lot of tools to support our internal team as they support their clients through this process. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And, and folks, you know, this is something you can even use in your everyday life when you're making a change, right? You, you typically, when you think about it, if you have a big life change that you, you expect to make, you analyze it, you know, you, you kind of uh, have the desire to make that change. You, 
build your knowledge on what that change is, you know, so there's, there's a lot of these steps that you can actually use in your everyday life. And, and I think the reinforcement piece is really important in that I've seen a lot of instances where changes happen, but without that reinforcement, you're back to kind of square one, or you're back to whatever was the, the environment you're in before the change needed to happen. And so that reinforcement piece is very critical. Is there any tips that you can give to the audience in terms of how you can ensure the reinforcement is a strong uh, process within your change management? Absolutely. So after a project closes out, typically there's a, a settling period and we, we call this the stabilization period of our projects. And what we recommend our clients do is understand that although we developed all these new tools and workflows and processes, there might be a tendency to result back to that you know, past state of doing things mm-hmm. because that comfort is still there for the staff. We recommend identifying champions within your organization. We call these change champions and ensuring that organizations have them available to the team members, whether it be on the floor, in that hospital environment, um, providing tools and training sessions post you know, project to ensure we're still reinforcing those good habits within people until it becomes their day-to-day operations in their mind. Sure. And would you say that is the hardest part of change management or is there another area of focus? I think desire to me is the hardest part of change. Mm. And, and you talked about it. So a lot of us deal with change in our personal life, sometimes forced change. But most of the time we say, you know, for example, I'm in a workout. It's my New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. I have this desire to work out, right? This is my right. personal goal. So that desire is there. When we think of projects, the stakeholders involved don't always have the option of being part of this project, right? They didn't have the, I want to change. I want to build a new hospital. They're kind of being told, we're building a new hospital. Your paths of travel are gonna change. All of these new policies will be adopted as a result of this. Um, And it's overwhelming. And of course there's some resistance towards it. So desire to me is absolutely the number one Um, hardest thing about change when we're dealing with a large-scale project. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, And it's about kind of capturing the right voice and tone when you're talking through the change with those potential stakeholders. It's even capturing that desire within yourself when you're trying to make, to your point, a life change uh, for the betterment of yourself. I think it's uh, often folks find themselves in this place of I've got a goal I just can't get there and that desire that that is the biggest obstacle is is trying to figure out how do you motivate yourself to want to make that change now even in the audience in the professional setting when there's a big change happening you're not going to get 100% of people on board to change or have that desire to change I think that's just the reality of it um there there may be some uh, folks who will are just adverse to change in general. You know, their, their initial reaction is, I'd rather just kind of stay status quo because that's where I'm comfortable. That's what I'm used to. Even though with the change, you might find some efficiencies in your processes or in the way you do things in your business. So I think you're right. I think that the desire to change is is absolutely a critical step in the change management process. And I think every 
uh, company will have to look at that in a way of what makes sense within the culture and the people that you work with. You know, what type of communication or what, how do you disperse this desire and get people inspired to want to make that change? So that's going to be a question I think that is unique. Um, and on a case-by-case basis, based on, you know, your line of business and, and what you're doing. And Christina, I think your example is is a great example of, you know, it sounds like at least the cult, your culture is uh, open to change. You have a, an appetite for that, which is good. That's actually really helpful. So when things come up, it sounds like they're, they're open to adopting it. Well, I'm very lucky. I work with a bunch of project managers that have been in the business for a very long time. Um, we really specialize in change. I think projects are change-based, right? Um, they're unique in nature. Um, they usually are a set period of time. So they really are not only project management focused, but also change management focused. And I think a lot of times what happens and the misstep that happens with project managers is they view it as a checklist item on their work breakdown structure. So Mm. I developed a change management plan check and then never do anything more with that. And what I love about our process is we looked at, you know, the five phases of our process and then interwove, you know, change into that. So the startup, we're going through that awareness phase, planning, we're working on desire and answering that a really important question to stakeholders, what's in it for me? Why Mm -hmm. should I want to be a part of this? Um, As we execute the project, we're really working on that knowledge and ability. And as we control and close out, we're really going through that reinforcement period. Oh, that's a fantastic way to look at it. And and it seems so simple, right? It it does when you, if if there's an opportunity to overlay some sort of change model over what you're currently doing, then the change itself might not be even noticeable um, in many in many ways um, and I know that some companies also look into you say you know pro- project managers are kind of the proponents of change um, some companies actually hire on change managers or, or somebody just primarily focused on on change management so that's kind of how big of a scope that change management can be within a given a business or a company or even you know, people in their personal lives will hire a life coach, for example, or some financial coach or something that, that somebody very focused on whatever that change is you're trying to make even in your personal life. There's there's ways to do it. There's ways to actually build that desire and have somebody support you to kind of build that awareness and desire that you would want um, to, to build in yourself to make that change a reality. So I think there's you talk a little bit about, you know, some project managers may look at change management as just a check on the work breakdown structure. I like that analogy because it's true. Uh, some some may look at it as we need an actual person in house, full time, focused on change. So there's a broad kind of spectrum of how folks view change management. Now, when it comes to the tools and techniques that one can use to track change management or to facilitate it. Do you have any that you guys employ? I think um, change should be a part of the whole process. So as much as possible, interweaving it in everything that you do, whether it be your work breakdown structure, um, talking about change in your monthly meetings, incorporating Mm -hmm. it into dashboard elements, so tracking engagement rates for teams, 
ensuring people have the communication they need. So I think communication is a huge part, but to me, the number one important thing, as you mentioned, I think a couple, you know, you were talking about it a little bit ago, is that that culture element. Some people will need a full-time change management specialist because it's so foreign to their organization's culture that they need somebody to focus on this. Yeah. Um, other cultures have excellent pro, you know, processes in place to implement change. I mean, I, I think the number one proponent for that is that executive leadership. Um, so you can have all the tools and widgets and gadgets, um, yeah. but if you don't have that executive sponsor, um, that C-suite saying, this is important to us, we're really gonna focus on this, I think it would be impossible to do anything um, because as much as we'd like to say bottom level up, um, a lot of organizations work top down and people yeah. look to their C-suite to understand how they should react to things. Oh no, absolutely. I completely, 100% agree with that. You definitely need some sort of champion for change within your organization. And it's most effective usually when it's coming from the top level, um, because they're, they're the ones who ultimately can kind of either finance the change or remove barriers to the change or, you know, get folks focused on the change. You're, you're right. If, if it's kind of woven, interwoven within your culture and it becomes kind of a daily or weekly conversation, then change doesn't have to be that scary or that daunting of a task to have to do, right? Because now it's just a part of what you do all the time. Um, and I think that's that breaking kind of that barrier to say change isn't necessarily a bad thing um, and, and kind of breaking that antiquated um, feeling of uh, anytime there's a change, that means we did something wrong. You know, there's change kind of the, even the word change kind of gives me anxiety still, even to this day, right? So it does carry with it inherently this um, kind of um, uh, anxious like tone of, okay, well, what's changing and now what do I have to do? And so the best that we can as project managers promote change management as a positive thing and to your point, kind of just have it woven into our day-to-day -day so that it's a normal conversation. It's a part of the culture. I think that's the best environment that we can help build as PMs. Um, and then also separately, even within our own lives, you know, um, as much as we can build our mental health to say, change is okay, change could be good for me. You know, th there's, there's kind of the same um, resonating, uh, it kind of resonates across both platforms, I would say. I can share with you um, one organization that I've worked with has been amazing at implementing change. Um, and they were so passionate about ensuring that not only their C-suite, but also their you know, middle level managers and their uh, directors felt apart. They asked our company to organize a summit last year prior to you know the restrictions on large gatherings, et cetera. And we did an exercise and you might be familiar with it, where we had marshmallows and spaghetti and tape, and we put it all in the middle of each of the tables and provided some directions, just like a project, right? This is your project. You need to build the tallest structure within 15 minutes of spaghetti and marshmallows as possible. Okay. And you watch these groups get together and do this. And much like a project, about five minutes in, we said, never mind, we don't want the tallest project. We want the widest project possible. <laughs> uh, but we only told one stakeholder about it at the table and they needed to fight for their requirements. 
So we did that. And then maybe a couple minutes later, we said, never mind, you only have two more minutes to complete it. Never mind about the 15 minutes. So the, the schedule got crashed, right? Um, and the reason we did this exercise, as silly as it was, was really to focus on how you as a leader adapt to change. Sure. Because if you adapt well, then your teams will adapt well. And to your point, change is scary because it's new and unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. People like their current state, even though it might not work, even though it might require them to do eight extra steps. Yeah. I know it, it's familiar to me. Please don't change it because now I don't know what I'm doing and I don't want to be the person to admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that story. That's great. Um, I'm assuming then, Christina, you were the most composed of your group. You led them to have the tallest, widest, whatever structure that ended up needing to, to win <laughs> to win this icebreaker exercise. We were facilitators. So unfortunately, I did not get oh. to make a structure, but I totally, I feel like would have been very composed. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I am actually probably the worst at adapting <laughs> to change, despite being somebody who focuses on change management. I think the one thing that I love about, you know, you and I having gone through that program together, the master's program together is we could, you and I collectively could have been in, under so much stress, but when we were on those Zoom calls looking at each other, you would not know whether you were very stressed out or I was very stressed out. We always had this poker face during those um, during those Zoom calls during our uh, master's program. So I think that's uh, can be attributed to how we absorb change and how you just won't know that we could be freaking out inside over change. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's uh, I think let's round this out with, you know, we're in a current state right now where Proactive ma change management may not be kind of the forefront of what we do. More often than not, we see project managers having to react to changes, uh, whether that's scope creep or something else that's happening within the context of your pro project. But reactive ma change management is, I feel, and, and definitely challenge me if you feel differently, I feel that reactive change management is uh, more prevalent in projects than proactive change management? I think that reactive change management is prevalent because a lot of people don't take the time to develop a plan ahead of time to manage stakeholders. I think the plan, as intricate as can be, if you neglect your stakeholders, you're going to have a squeaky wheel that asks for a bigger desk. You're going to have somebody who said they wanted lights that blinked three times red when a code alerts. Um, and it's all of the failure to have stakeholders engaged and inform them of what we're doing um, that you see this reactive approach to, oh, I forgot about that. And sure. then you have to do all these plans. I think you talked about it in your last podcast about scope creep yeah. and how a lot of that has to do with just not understanding what your requirements were ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think in this, this instance, as a project manager, as best as we can, if we are reacting to a change, we are, we should also at best try to keep our composure, 
provide that structure for the change. You know, even if it, it's something that needs to happen immediately, we have that role that has the face of the change in some ways. Um, so you with your project sponsor or you with your um, uh, change champion can together work together even to react to changes that need to be made and make that as smooth of, as a process as possible for those that have to then execute that change. I think it's, it, I think even whether it's proactive or reactive, if there's an opportunity to um, create a structure on how the change is going to be implemented uh, and, and you as a project manager kind of take the helms of this is this change is going to be okay you know this here's our plan kind of give folks that reassurance and that knowledge um and then even kind of try to spur that desire in them very quickly to make this change to react to whatever the issue is or whatever the change is i think at best we can be those that person uh, and we can help make the change as palatable as possible for the, for our teams absolutely um i think I would lastly like to note that um, despite all our best plans, I think all of us as project managers really had a reactive approach to last year's pandemic, mm -hmm. um, especially within our organizations. A lot of us had to adopt our current way of approaching how we manage projects. And I think those organizations who quickly assessed the situation and said, okay, you know what, this environment is changed. How we do things needs to change too. And sure. the quicker you kind of get past that grieving period of saying, man, I, I really miss my clients. I really want to be there with them, but I can't do that right now. So what am I going to do to still maintain my momentum mm -hmm. so that my project doesn't get behind schedule, go over budget, all of those things that we as project managers really focus on. Um, I think that the better organizations did that last year, um, the better success they saw and the least impact they felt towards their projects. Absolutely. I agree. And that that is the hardest, probably one of the hardest changes that everyone has had to deal with together. And by when I say everyone, everybody in the world had to deal with this unforeseen circumstance. So it is a uh, nice kind of learning experience for us to witness these large and small companies um, and individuals kind of adapt to the change. We all have had to in some way, shape or form, whether it's personally or professionally, um, and we'll continue to kind of do that and grow together through what's going on with the pandemic. So I, I agree. I think that's a great like example of of how globally everybody has reacted to what's going on um, and made changes, I, some some for the better even within themselves and for the companies that they work for. So um, I think that will do it for our change management uh, topic discussion uh, for the Everyday PM podcast. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with, Christina? No, thank you, Anne. I really enjoyed getting together with you. I have always admired just the work you do and the passion you have for the industry. So it's just wonderful to just have the opportunity to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much. And honestly, it was it was my honor to host you and and and, and very, very excited that you, you were able to join us for this podcast and, and this particular topic because I learned so much just in the last few minutes we've been chatting. So Christina, thank you so much for joining us on the Everyday PM podcast. Um, if folks want to follow you, do you have a LinkedIn that they can um, check out? 
I do. Um, just my name, Christina, and my last name's super complicated, O-L-I-V-A-R-R-I-A. And check out our company's page, Yellowbrick Consulting. We have a great blog that offers tons of everyday PM type articles that would be really welcomed um, by everybody, I think. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I will make sure that all of that is uh, synced up in the description of this podcast so that you can access everything that Christina talked about. Um, and absolutely make sure to follow her, make sure to follow out, follow the company as well. I'm sure there's a lot of great, helpful resources on there too. So that will do it for me. Uh, my name is Ann Campia. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, go ahead and feel free to follow me. You can also find me on the everydaypm.com. That is where this podcast will be posted as well as on Anchor. And I'll make sure that you all receive the link to everything we talked about today. So that will do it for both of us. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, take care.